Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Continuing our series through the Book of Acts, Hans Georg Hoprich will look at Chapter 15, where Paul and Barnabas had a serious conflict, which even led to both of them going separate ways. During today's sermon, we will learn more about some of the negative but also positive things in all this, and that this conflict was not the end of the ministries. So join us in Hans Georg now. Well, it's a privilege again being with you here in uh, Vienna with uh, Grace Church uh, brothers and uh, sisters, but also, I guess, um, some of uh, the people uh, all around the globe are listening. Yesterday, as I sent out the invitation to our friends um, around the globe, I got quite a bit of response, um, people came back to me and asking all sorts of questions because of the topic, uh, because of the, the Bible uh, passage uh, we are going to talk um, this morning. A very good friend and author of quite a, uh, many books, uh, Neil Parolo, he had a question and we'll go into it. Uh, um, and uh, tackle it a little bit, uh, but also um, a regional leader from Pioneers. He uh, is with us um, and praying for us and others from the States, and I don't know where they join in. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you share with us and uh, be with us uh, this morning, and also those that may listen later on. Um, we welcome you. It's a privilege. It, it means so much uh, to be in fellowship with you people listening and sharing with us, not only this morning, but praying for uh, our church here, Grace Church, and beyond. Uh, and, uh, well, this morning I want to greet uh, you as well from my son-in-law and uh, from my daughter, uh, Annika, David and Annika. I think David has been here one or two times and uh, they are with us uh, this morning, even though they're still in Eisenstadt, they're just changing houses and living with us the uh, last couple of days um, and uh, many others that uh, join in this morning. When co-workers clash. Now that isn't a, a kind of an ideal situation that uh, the Bible talks uh, about uh, clashes. Can you imagine, you know, and having a, a wife, uh, Margaret, uh, who really likes to be in harmony all the time and personally uh, I'm not, um, you know, against clashes. I must admit that. You know, I'm not seeking for clashes, just to make sure. But uh, sometimes it's inevitable to have a good clash. I don't know whether I need to hide away because of that kind of thinking. But I'm sure that I, I'm with some of those that are here and some of those that may listen, um, I'm not shy of clashes. 
if I may be as honest as I am. You may not want to knock me out, but that's me. When co-workers clash, and the first time I was um, talking about it was way back in 1991 in, in Papua New Guinea. We had a, a gathering of uh, quite a few um, missionaries getting uh, together, and uh, prior to our meeting, or uh, after that, I can't remember, our field leader at that time, he said, you know, because our my personal conviction uh, has been always, you know, doing missions, going out, uh, preaching the gospel, even with uh, Stone Age people. Yes, Stone Age people, they have something um, you know, for the economy of God uh, in mission theology to preach the gospel. But I, my uh, field leader, you know what he uh, said? I don't want to mention his uh, name. He said, we need to finish Jerusalem first. Saying, well, we need to finish Papua New Guinea first. And of course, I didn't want to listen to his advice because the Bible tells us something very different. You know, while we are doing our local work, Vienna, Grace Church, we always need to think beyond, think beyond um, the boundaries, think beyond um, our own town and village and country. This is in God's heart. This is why he sent his son. It was so dear to him that God gave his son not only for Vienna or wherever you may live, but for the whole world, for all people from all nations, for every tribe and language. This is God's heart. And we need to be reminded constantly because otherwise we're just turning ourselves around our belly button, so to speak, and not thinking beyond. Because it comes, it, it is too close, you know, and, and normal in one way, humanly normal, that we think first of ourselves. Of course, we need to think about ourselves, but God's desire is always looking beyond. So we had a little bit a, a clash, and within that clash, um, he said, I've never done that before, you know. He said, well, you teach about missions at uh, the, the Bible school, um, at the mission center, and I wasn't ready for that at all. I've never done that, this before, but I just, um, uh, you know, I agreed with uh, the challenge, and a couple of uh, months later, I was teaching missions on this uh, Bible school. It was a first of its kind, and then you know, it warms my heart when I think back to Papua New Guinea before we left. We had the first missions conference of its kind. There was never something quite like that um, at on the island of New Britain, in West New Britain province. Um, and then, of course, that was later in uh, 90. 
96, just before we left uh, Papua New Guinea, you know, this is God's desire. It's amazing. And ever since, of course, um, people, and we have to uh, tell the story about that later, sometimes, uh, you know, that uh, even the Stone Age Church, imagine, they provided finances and, of course, people to be sent out into missions. Isn't that amazing? Stone Age people. Not Viennese people. Well, Viennese sent, hopefully, their own people. But Stone Age people also are ready to send people in all the world. This is God's desire. Now, looking at the passage, uh, we need to remind uh, ourselves that the Bible never flatters its heroes. One moment, we read about David, King David's bravely slinging a stone to Goliath. The next, we see David lustfully looking at Bathsheba. Indeed, we do admire Peter when he leaves his nets to follow Jesus. But what about our reaction when Peter denies his master and savior just before the crucifixion. Do we like this conflict in person, in, in desire? Yes, the Bible paints the picture of its heroes and their characters quite realistically. Realistically, you know, eye to eye, face to face. For me, as I said already, that's good news. Indeed, because that makes me to kind of identify with these people of which the Bible tells so many terrific stories. These people are just like you and me. They're not uh, upper, kind of in an upper region, but we look into their eyes and it makes kind of in one way, it makes quite fun, you know, to, to see realistically the picture they are giving uh, to us. Oftentimes, we put them way up, unreachable. But that the Bible, the Bible paints a realistic picture. These people are just like us, and if God can use them, he surely, and that's the encouraging side of it, uh, he surely can use you and me wherever he wants to uh, use us. And it's so encouraging to read about God's casebook. At the end of Acts um, 15, our physician and historian Luke uh, displays Paul and Barnabas in its realistic light. These two um, missionaries that have been sent out, um, they are no super saints. They were fallible men who had headstrong opinions, opinions that sometimes clashed. In our passage this morning, such a clash of wills occurs between them that they end up to be separated, never 
to minister again. I guess we all have had some kind of stomach hurting confrontation in uh, our churches, in maybe uh, in ministry or wherever we are at work, in a hospital or at school, um, in your PhD studies or whatever, in confrontation in your uh, marriage and so on. We all had that. And we, I mean, we, we need to be realistic uh, about that. Uh, well, as I was looking um, at Paul and Barnabas's clash, I thought that it had been some valuable lessons for me, and hopefully um, it has one or two for uh, you as well as you listen. Lessons about preserving harmony while disagreeing. Now, um, as we read this uh, passage in uh, Acts uh, 15, verses 36 to 41, let's um, have a closer look at this passage. It says here, several days later, Paul suggested to Barnabas that they return again to Turkey and visit each city where they had preached before to see how the new converts were getting along. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul didn't like that idea at all, since John had deserted them in Pamphylia. Their disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus while Paul chose Silas and with the blessing of the believers left for Syria and Cilicia to encourage the churches there. Father God, we praise you for this morning and uh, we want to thank you that you are a God who talks, who speaks and Thank you that you are a God who listens to our desires of heart. We ask for your blessings upon us and opening of heart and mind and spirit. For we ask it in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. As we begin, I think it's of great importance to remember these four facts about disagreements. And the first one, disagreements are inevitable. Disagreements are inevitable. Like our uh, fingerprints, each person's background, temperament, and set of opinions are special and unique. Just different from anyone. Every person has a personal DNA. There is not a single person matching up with the other with the same DNA. No, we have 
Um, I don't know the population. world's population is nearing 8 billion, I think, or so. And each of them is special. God has made them so special that each of them has a different DNA. And uh, that's the same as we look into the person's people, the people's life in the Bible. It is because of these differences, people will naturally disagree with one another. And let me state that this is not a bad thing. It is just part and parcel of being a human being. Disagreements are inevitable, second, even spiritually, a spiritual and godly people have got the freedom to disagree. Disagreeing is not necessarily a sign of being carnal, fleshly thinking. Not necessary. Even if we think so, but not if we look into the context of the Bible. By loving one another, even mature believers can disagree. I just have to give God the right to use people who disagree with me. And he will use them. As he uses me, he will use others as well. And thirdly, there are always the same two points in disagreement. There is a certain issue and there are different viewpoints to it, in these issues evolve certainly principle of a person, whereas the viewpoints involve the personality. And each of our, one of us has different backgrounds and opinions, education, and so on. Different points of view of the same issue make usually a conflict of Viewpoints. If we only can identify the issue and the viewpoints involved, that would help greatly to move towards a resolution. And in fourthly, in many uh, disagreements, each side is valid. Each side is valid. In the heat of an argument, we usually see only one side, that is our own side. We are very strong on what we are convicted to. Uh, we see our own if we side, if we calm down, and only if we can begin to see the issue from the other side as well. But we need to have a calm heart. If we are hot in heart, we are not ready for it. We only see us. We put ourselves in the very center of the issue. And there will be certainly a big clash. If we are really honest, we'll, we will have to admit that the conflict is a matter of perspective. Then who is right and who is wrong. Surely... Each side has its valid points. The clash between the two co-workers of the same church in Antioch clearly illustrates all four 
of these facts. So let us examine the disagreement. We will start with some background uh, information. As often, uh, I said that many a times, uh, and we need to remind ourselves, every text has a context. You know, there is a wider view, and we, if we just pick out a certain teaching in the Bible, we are way beyond God wants us to be. So we need always to look into the context to get a good, a bird's eye view about what the Bible tells us about uh, certain things. Let us call us this a case study of Paul and Barnabas. Their argument originates from the trouble they faced on their first missionary journey. Probably the core of the problem was when they, um, then their assistant on the trip, John Mark, the cousin, and that's important to, to know because there was a, a deep family relationship between them. The cousin, John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Can you see that? You know, that's very cultural as well. You know, in Papua New Guinea, we call it a one talk system because of the variety. We have about 800 different languages. So one talk is uh, you know, one language, to put it in, in good English, one language is very important. Otherwise, you can't communicate. So the system tells you, you need to communicate with those that speak the same language. And I think our African brothers are, wherever you come from, you know, that's quite often, you know, you, you naturally relate to those who speak the same language, you know. Tagalog. Or I don't know how many languages there are in the Philippines or in Nigeria or wherever we we come from. Uh, in Europe, in general, we have just uh, one or two languages in a in a country, so it's beyond something we can cope if there are, let alone, eight hundred different languages. I'm not talking about uh, slangs or, or so, but um, languages. So one talk system, you relate easily to those that speak the same language, and that was the same with Barnabas and John Mark. They had a family relationship. We cannot be sure why John Mark left them. Maybe seeing Paul sick in Persia discouraged him, you know, looking at God, this godly man being sick, or maybe he feared for his own life, which is well possible looking in the context. You know, there were some fearful situations. He might have disagreed with Paul's leadership, you know, seeing, um, you know, Barnabas, his relative, being put um, aside somehow, uh, or this emphasis on salvation for the Gentiles, not just for the Jews. The reason um, we don't know, it's not clear uh, at all, but the point is that John Mark let them down. That was a point. John Mark let them down. Well, this is the start of the second missionary journey. 
And Paul said to Barnabas, Acts 15.36, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That was a deep desire of Barnabas, you know. He was a fatherly um, man, you know. His heart was really a warm, he was a warm-hearted man, you know. Let us see. How do they well, or are they thriving? Or is there some uh, ways they need our help? And so on. Barnabas agrees, so they are making plans. They could try a new route over land instead of by sea. They could deliver the letter from the church council of uh, Jerusalem to the Gentile Christians. They could uh, encourage and strengthen all the new believers as well as old friends in the Lord. But instead of getting their rucksacks ready, you know, I'm thinking back when we did our outreach back in the uh, mountainous area of um, New Britain, you know, we packed our rucksack and it was heavy, like 25 kilos with rice and uh, tin fish and soap and salt. Salt was very important because people up um, in the mountains, they really desired to have salt. There was no salt available, you know. They did not have, you know, a pilau or I don't know which sort of place where they could buy some salt. So we always took quite a, a couple of kilos of salt and, and rice and, um, of course, some soap uh, and so on. Rucksack heavy, you know. So if instead of getting that rucksack ready, they get into a sharp disagreement concerning John Mark and endangered the entire mission. Can you imagine? These two top guys discussing these things. Let's look at the issue. As Paul and Barnabas sat down to discuss the details, we can easily <laughs> imagine their conversation. Barnabas says, I will get the maps and buy our tickets. Let's put it into our level, you know. Uh, we get off from Vienna and we need to buy our our tickets in order to get on the train or plane or whatever. Okay, says, says Paul, uh, I'll send word ahead to let them know that we are coming. That was very important, at least also in our context in Papua New Guinea. You don't dare to go into a tribal area without letting them know. They will kill you anyway. That was happening to me. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, the Lord had other plans for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't stand here. They put, um, you know, the spear and we're ready to kill us. So we need to inform them. You don't enter a tribal area without letting them know, you know. I think we often have kind of um, strange views. You don't enter a tribal area, area just, you, you know, I'm here, so you need to listen to me. That's not the way, uh, because you re have great respect to people in a tribal area. And so that's what was probably Paul's task. We let them know we are coming. And I'll, let, I'll tell John Mark to start packing. Just think it will be terrific, the three of us again. You know, we were so acquainted with our different ways of doing things and so on. So they got quite uh, excited. It's 
It is going to be a great trip um, again. And then suddenly, can you see, imagine Paul's face? Probably he got a kind of a longish uh, mouth, you know. Can, can you imagine? Paul drops his pencil and he stares at Barnabas. Hey, John Mark. John Mark. He's not coming. No, sir. Not him. And the heart of their disagreement is this, this issue. Should someone who failed be given a second chance? Should we give him a second chance? Imagine your situations in your church or wherever you are and there is someone who failed. It's a big question. Should we give him a second chance? Barnabas says, yes. The big apostle Paul says, no. But wait a minute. Let us have look let us have a look into the minds of these two men and to see the issue from each of their perspectives. Let's look at the the viewpoints. Luke gives a hint on Barnabas's thinking in Acts 15:37. It says Barnabas Barnabas was desirous of taking John also called Mark with him also. The phrase was desirous, does not give the exact meaning of the word ebuleto in Greek. The word means to will, to want, to wish, which is quite strong in itself. But Luke uses the, the um, imperfect tense, emphasizing that Barnabas was rather very strong-minded, had a strong, you know, it's kind of German, you know, kind of strong. Maybe he even was as loud as myself, you know, being German, all Germans are loud, aren't they? So he was quite loud, you know, he emphasized his point, you know, he couldn't stop talking about it. Um, communicating that he continually desired, you know, he just made a point, constantly saying the same thing, John Mark needs to go with me, he needs to go with us. Desired, he, John Mark, that would be a better translation probably, his Feet were firmly planted when he was standing his ground on this issue. Barnabas is thinking John Mark needs uh, encouragement. He needs 
another chance, sure enough, John Mark blew it. But after all, don't we all? God can still use him. And then in Acts uh, 15.38, but Paul, it says, kept insisting. Can you see the clash now coming up? That they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Luke again, again uses the imperfect tense, kept insisting. And you see the conflict, you know, at hand, both kept insisting, both said yes, no, yes, no. So you can see, you know, the argument bouncing here and there and, and kept insisting. It gives the right meaning of the Greek word exio. Well, this is Paul's viewpoint. He tries to match the intensity of Barnabas' opinion to Paul. Young John Mark was unreliable. When you are going to into battle, you need uh, someone who will not break under fire. Maybe Paul had in mind Proverbs twenty-five nineteen. It says in the Living Bible, putting confidence in an unreliable man is like chewing with a sore tooth or trying to run on a sore food. Looking at the practical side, we may go with Paul, but our heart's um, side goes with Barnabas. We kind of torn apart. Are you also torn apart in this story? Um, after all, God even gave Paul himself um, a second chance as he writes in 1 Timothy 1, 12, 15, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that uh, are in Christ Jesus. He is, um, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save whom? Sinners, of whom I am the worst. 1 Timothy 1, 12 to 15, you know, that was the context. God gave Paul a second chance. We can say this about almost every Bible character. Moses, uh, we talk about Rahab, we talk about Jonah, dear Jonah, <laughs> and Peter, to mention but a few. We may add uh, names uh, from our congregation, from our context, names of giving people a second. Do you remember people in your context of giving them a second chance? If not, I think it's important to think about it. A second chance. Giving people a second chance. Um, but Paul had a different perspective and um, and a different 
character than Barnabas. Barnabas was people-orientated. He was a fatherly figure, so he was a kind of a warm personality. Paul was more task-orientated. Barnabas was a man of compassion. Paul was more of a man of conviction. Uh, Barnabas was a builder of men. Paul was a planter of churches. Barnabas looked at the issue from the viewpoint of overall good of the man. Paul, on the opposite, looked at the issue from the viewpoint of the all over good, uh, overall good of the ministry. Is one perspective right, the other wrong? Well, since the issue does not involve essential doctrine, I think we can agree that both sides are right. There are good arguments for both sides of the issue, and our goal is not to become one-sided. We just want to examine both viewpoints in order to find a good solution in, in our clashes. Because sure enough, I mean, there is not a single church where there are no clashes. I mean, we need to be realistic. And I want to challenge you a little bit, you know, because the, the clashes will inevitably come. Whether we like them or not, that's another question, but they will come. So the solution, what was the solution? Unfortunately, out of the solution available to Paul and Barnabas, they choose the saddest. They choose separation. Acts 15 says in verse 39 and 48, there arose a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. The Greek word for sharp disagreement, paraxomos. Webster says that it is a fit attack, a sudden increase of reoccurrence of symptoms as of disease. It is a convulsion of a violent emotion. Wow. And that is between two brothers that were major in the first church. Can you imagine? This happened with those two people. Paul and Barnabas separated in anger and sorrow. As we know, Paul owed more to Barnabas than any other man. After all, he brought him to um, into Jerusalem, he introduced them to the apostles, and you know he went in to see the apostles. He, and we we can read that um, in Acts. You know, went in and out. Um, the come and go structure we see. You know, he was strengthened. He went out to preach the gospel, and then he was encouraged uh, in and out. The coming and going structure, very important. Um, remember, uh, it was Barnabas 
who introduced the converted persecutor of the church to the Christian community. We read that in Acts chapter 9. But in a fireworks display of emotions, their ministry blew apart in their faces. Finally, we look at the departure. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers. You know, the believers there, they agreed to send them out. And there's a kind of a little conflict that my good friend, Neil Pirolo, who is, a, you know, I don't know how many books he wrote in missions and caring for missionary. He wrote, hence, yesterday night, He wrote, when I've sent out, uh, you know, the invitation hands, I hope you make a point of the fact that Barnabas took Mark and sailed. That's what we read here. But he writes, Paul chose Silas and being commended by the believers. This He writes, this clarifies for me that the church gave their blessing and commissioning to Paul and Silas, but not to Barnabas. Your thoughts, question mark, dot, dot, dot. What are my thoughts to it? Well, um, I mean, I'm very much in favor of being commenced and, and sent out um, by a church because that's mission all about. Mission means sending. So we, that, uh, that is an important fact of any missionary carrier that he doesn't take himself out and then go somewhere into the Philippines or to Singapore or to Africa or wherever he likes to go. No. He's sent out. That's the core, the very core of missionary work is being sent by a church. And we see that in the first church with Paul and Barnabas. They are sent out from Antioch uh, where they were co-workers. You know, they were known there and, and they are sent out. Um, later on, uh, we may see Paul doing a similar kind of thing. And that's what I, I'm going to write my good friend Neil Pirolo. Because Paul also did that apparently with Timothy. He just took him and went off. I need to look into that passage of, of Scripture. But that's my kind of, it's not a final thought. Um, but it's kind of my thought. Um, a- anyway, Paul and Barnabas, they, they never ministered again together. And if you take out a Bible atlas, you will find that they tracked off in opposite directions. You know, they separated sharply. Barnabas and John Mark traveled the water route to Cyprus. Paul and his new partner Silas traveled the land route in the northeasterly direction to Syria, turning westwards to Cilicia and the surrounding cities. Never again Barnabas, the son of encouragement, mentioned in Acts. His name only appearing a few times in the rest of the New Testament. And um, I think um, in the list um, of um, I, uh, I've prepared, we see Barnabas' name was 
uh, in three letters. In 1 Corinthians 9, it was mentioned again. In Galatians 2.1 and 9.13, Colossians 4.10. That were the only times that Barnabas' name um, was mentioned again. However, every time we read Mark's gospel, we taste the fruit of Barnabas' ministry in the life of that young man. He even won Paul's respect again in 2 Timothy in his last letter. You know, it's, it's important to mention that's his last letter. He says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry, you know, kind of a turning around. Otherwise, he's also mentioned in Colossians 4.10 and Philemon uh, 23 and 24. Acts 15 uh, anyway says, but Paul chose Silas and separated, being committed by the brethren. The Greek word for committed it is paradoveis, combines two words, beside para and give and supply. With Barnabas out in the um, of the picture committed Paul and Silas to the Lord, supplying them with the necessities for their trip. Pa Paul, and that's kind of a sad situation. And, and oftentimes we may experience a similar situation. Paul may have won the argument in the eyes of the church, but he lost his best friend. Let's look at this. Some things we can learn from the incident. As we have seen, the best of co-workers clashed. And I'm pretty sure that we all may have a similar kind of encounter with someone whom we uh, disagree. We cannot escape it. It was Barnabas who defended young convert Saul in Jerusalem, searched for him in Tarsus, and cared for his wounds in Lystra. Barnabas was Paul's mentor, his, his encourager, his his, his supporter. Now, the ties are sharply broken. And all these precious, important memories were shelved away like a forgotten photo album somewhere in the shelves, never to be looked again. To avoid this kind of tragedy in our relationships, we, well, I want to point out um, to four points of help which came to my mind as I thought about it. The first point is I have to work hard at seeing both viewpoints. Work hard on it. Don't let it go. It seems for me very hard work indeed because it does not come natural to me. Not to me. I'm honest with you. Uh, I don't know whether it comes easy to you. For me, it's very hard. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, well, um, working class guy. You know, seeing things black and white. You see, it's not ideal. I'm aware of it, but that's who I am. I, black and white, and that's not easy. And I'm well aware of it. 
But in the heat of the argument, you see things only black and white. Oftentimes, even with people that have a kind of a differentiated thinking. My pride is at stake when someone disagrees with me. <laughs> my pride is kind of, you know. As a result, I just see my own position while blurring everyone else, you know. It's not sharp. It isn't clear. You know, I have many excuses. When this happens, we do need some eyes drops of a good objectivity, honesty, and humility to clear up our vision. You know, we need a clear vision again. Philippians 2 says, uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. With humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Can you see the different two viewpoints? That's the Bible wants to engage us in this. And then secondly, when both sides have good support, seek a wise compromise. Paul and Barnabas did not have to split up. There were, there were compromises on either end. Paul could have said, if he doesn't work, if he doesn't work out, the first month will ship him home again, you know, to make a compromise. Barnabas' compromise could have gone like this. We certainly need dedicated workers on our team, but just give him a smaller task and see how he does. Can you see the compromise idea? Give him a smaller task, not just the top one, but just be a little bit below. He may join us later, or they could have agreed to take John Mark and uh, others as well. These are just some of the possible compromises we have to be willing to find um, the one that fits best in the situation. And thirdly, if the conflict persists, care enough to work it through. I do not think it is wise to run from conflict because that happens too often. That people face a conflict and instead to deal with a conflict, they just chase off, take off without solving the conflict. And that's not a good idea. Never, never been. Because you leave other people in the conflict whereas you sail off and Uh, you know, that's very egomanic, I would call it. It, it. I do not think that it is wise to run off conflict. It is no solution to quit one's job because of disagreement. It does not help to run away from the problem or just to keep silent. Caring about a relationship, and that's not only in marriage, but even more so in a church because of uh, the manifold different ideas in a church. Caring about relationships means that I'm willing to face the issue and with God's help, we can work it out. You know, that's very important. 
very important. And please, if you are in a conflict and you are about to run away, remember this. If a conflict persists, care enough to work it through. And lastly, sometimes the best solution, of course, and I agree with that, is separation. And I'm not against separation. But we need to be realistic. The situation with Paul and Barnabas, it's a biblical example for this. They could not agree under no circumstances. But if separation seems to be the best solution, we have to do it graciously. Um, in Pioneers, that's a mission we worked for the last three years. There is a sentence, the ethos of grace. Grace should be the base, the firm base in conflict. Maybe there should be a time of distance between the two persons. That's what we often tell people in a conflict in marriage. Um, separate for uh, any time for two months or so and then uh, you know the guy will see uh, and you know the wife will see how they get along and oftentimes they they get together uh, again when disagreements outweigh in the agreement separation is never easy we just heard of um a couple that um, is about to separate somebody whom you also know. I don't give any names. And it's very sad. It's very sad. We feel devastated by it. Devastated to say the least. Separation is never easy, but it may be God's way of moving to a different kind of ministry, certainly here. I don't talk about marriage separation, please. I mean, um, I'm aware of this. I'm not a friend of, of divorce, um, um, even though I'm aware that this is, you know, a kind of an, an option, but I'm not a friend of it. I'm not a friend of it at all. Well, with that in mind, it is time to view my conflict now your and mine I don't know where you are for many of us disagreements come and go as often as airplanes at Vienna Schwechat City Airport if a conflict is on our life right now may I give you um, a couple of application three of the application in finishing they can guide us to the runway and out of your relationship. Work hard in seeing both viewpoints. Work hard on it. Don't run away. With honesty, with objectivity and humility, write down both viewpoints. It's important to write down because otherwise you forget. You, you just see your own point. Write it down with both viewpoints in your, in your present disagreement. Seek a wise compromise. What compromise uh, options are available to you. And maybe you bring in a person that can open your mind and lastly, care enough to work through the disagreements rather the run. 
What will it take to work it through? Um, may the Lord encourage you as you seek guidance in your conflicts. And may the Lord give you wisdom and courage and joy, even in the hardest of conflict, to join again for the sake of the gospel. May the Lord bless you all, those that, that have listened, endured for this hour or so with us this morning as you seek to follow in the Lord's footsteps. Thank you ever so much. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're always working hard with us. And thank you that we can bring all the viewpoints in our conflict before you with honesty, with the objectivity of the word of God you give to us, with humility. Help us to see the viewpoints, the different viewpoints in our conflicts. Help us also, Lord Jesus, to seek a compromise and not the fighting in between. To see clearly your will in all of our conflicts. And help us also, Lord Jesus, to care enough to work through all the disagreements that we are in rather than running away from what is happening around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your patience with us, even in conflicts. Help us to work through with your grace, your grace that is abundant even in our conflicts. Thank you for these great two people in the word of God, of Paul and Barnabas. And thank you that you do not flatter those that we look high upon. Yet you make it sharply clear that they are humans and you use them even after that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace, for your loving care. And uh, thank you that you are with us as we move into this uh, season, Advent season and also Christmas season. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us your peace beyond understanding and stay and stand with us as we move forward, even with Grace Church, moving forward in joining possibly another church. And thank you that you give wisdom as they join together. For your name's sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.